Wasserman originally signed with the Thunderbolts at the start of the 2014 season after a four-year baseball career at the University of Louisville. He was signed by the Arizona Diamondbacks, spent part of one season in the Arizona system, and rejoined the Thunderbolts for the start of 2015. And I have him right here with me now in the Thunderbolts press box, Zach Wasserman. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Terry. Zach, uh, I've kind of gotten into a routine on these on these shows, these these interviews. I start people by asking them a question about their name because it seems like everybody's got a story about their name, and I don't know if that's true. Uh, and I looked at your name and thought, no, that's kind of a standard name. But I'll start with this then. Z-A-K. Kind of an unorthodox spelling of Zach. Where does that come from? It is. My dad, I, you know, I always like to make fun of my dad, uh, thinking that he was cool when he named me. But, uh, no, he, my name is Zachary. My full name, Zachary James. Uh, Zachary is spelled with a C-H, but Zach, when it's shortened, is just a K. Um, I think that my dad thought that, you know, CH was more of Zatch than it was Zach. So he just decided to do it a little differently, and I just went with a K the rest of my life. It makes sense. It's extremely logical, actually. It to, is. To it is. Spell it that way. You just don't see it very often. Uh, well, Zach, we will talk about your career in baseball. And, of course, you've, uh, you've got quite a baseball history, and it's, most of it is not as a pitcher up until recently. But let's go back to the beginning when you were a kid. How did you first get involved in the game? Um, you know, from from the time I was a kid, I had a I had a, always had a ball in my crib. I had stories of my parents telling me I was uh, I almost acted like a puppy. Always wanted to know where a ball was, but uh, I, I think I fell in love with it. Probably just like any other ball player that's my age and at this level, you know, when they were a child, watching it on TV, going to games. You know, I remember having that old play school t t ball kit or whatever that was, and playing with that in the basement and. Um, I don't know, there's something about this sport, man. I fell in love with it and, and still am to this day. You grew up in Michigan. Are you a Tigers fan? No, not. I got brainwashed. Both of my, uh, both of my parents are from Fremont, Ohio, home of Charles Woodson, Heisman Trophy winner, fun fact. And uh, that's about 45 minutes to an hour west of Cleveland. So when I was a kid, we used to go see my grandparents on both sides all the time over there. And, you know, on a, on a night where there wasn't anything going on, my dad would – you know, take me and my sister Jordy over, and uh, we'd go check out a couple Indians games. So I've I've been a uh, a tribe fan for as long as I can remember. Uh, you're listed on our roster from Stevensville, Michigan. Is that where you grew up, or is that just a recent thing? No, it's born and raised. Okay, so how how far is that from Detroit? From Detroit, it's uh I think it's three and a half, four hours. Okay, so, so a little bit I'm north. A lot, I'm a lot closer to Chicago than I am Detroit. Oh, okay, so that's interesting. Mm -hmm. um, so how many games did you get to go to? You said you're an Indians fan. Did you ever get to go to see the Indians play anywhere else aside from in Cleveland? Yeah, at U.S. Cellular. I watched them, uh, I want to say back when I was 13, so 20, 2003, 2004, something like that. I went and watched them play the White Sox. I don't even remember the score of the game, but I got a chance to go over and watch them over there. It was pretty cool. Well, I grew up a Cubs fan, so you and I kind of have uh, <laughs> similar histories as baseball fans in terms of watching tortured oh, yeah. franchises. Uh, 97 had to have been tough for it you. It was very tough. I don't really remember 95. I was five, you know, so it's really hard. But at 97, I remember getting into, you know, the peak of my love for the Indians. And, man, they were so loaded that year. It was unbelievable. Uh, and then they went down to Florida and they blew it. Well, I'll tell you my one brief story of when I was disappointed by the Indians because I'm not an Indians fan, but I, I always kind of root for them just because I, I tend to root for a team that hasn't won it in a while. Okay. Uh, in 2008, when they were getting close, mm -hmm. I was in college at the time and I was hosting a radio show. Every, every week I hosted a show where I played old radio clips and I had the 1948 World Series. I had game two, I want to say, one of the games from the 1948 World Series. I had the original broadcast of that and I was re-airing it. 
as part of my show. I thought it would be fun uh, to do it because the Indians were about to make the World Series again. I thought, how great is this? I've got the last time they won it, and here they are about to make it again. Yeah, that would have been cool. So I thought to myself, should I wait till next week? And I thought, no, the Indians, knowing the Indians, they'll probably blow it. I should just play it now, so yep. it's relevant. And I made the right call. Because, sure enough. Yeah, they, they, they choked away a 3-1 to one lead. So I don't want to make you feel too bad or anything, but I just... Way to, way to open up some sores there. Yeah, I figured, I, I figured we'd start on a down note, and <laughs> there you go. the only way to go from here is exactly, up, right? Exactly, exactly. Uh, so I know you, you played more than one sport uh, growing up. Uh, you played football in high school, did I you did. not? I did. I was, uh, I was a three-sport guy, played basketball, uh, football, basketball, baseball, in rotation <laughs> all year round. But then uh, after my freshman season, I had played all three. So I played football in the fall, basketball in the winter. And by the time I got to be a freshman, I was lucky enough to make the varsity squad. But I was 6'4", 170 pounds after basketball season. And I kind of had to look at myself and be like, ah, I'm probably not going to go play basketball anywhere. If I want to do something athletically, whether it be football or baseball, I can't be 6'4", and 170 pounds. So I decided to, you know, quit basketball after that season and devoted the winter to the weight room and just uh, trying to get myself ready for the spring and baseball. I don't know if you're familiar with uh, the comic strip Gil Thorpe, but that's what I refer to as a Gil Thorpe all-star, somebody who plays football, basketball, and baseball. I'm not. Um, it's a comic strip. Look it up. It's not very, okay. it's not very good, but it holds a, a special <laughs> place in my heart. It's about a high school, okay. high school athletic program. Um, so you, you talk about your size, but skill-wise, did you ever feel like maybe moving on you would, you would do something other than baseball, or was it always the, other, the others were fun and baseball was the actual passion? Ba baseball was always the passion. That was the thing that I wanted to do forever, you know, just like any one of my teammates here. Uh, ba baseball was it for me, but I loved football. Football will always hold a special place in my heart. There, there's, I mean, pitching every five days, every six days, depending if we have an off day, is, is such a thrill. You know, the the adrenaline kicks in. You know, you get those pregame butterflies, but there will be nothing like getting ready for a Friday night football game in high school. There will be nothing will be like it. You know, and I'm biased. Um, one of my best friends plays center field for us, Coco Johnson. You know, we we both were uh, we both played at the same high school. So we like to open up the yearbook every once in a while and talk about some football stories. But, uh, yeah, I love football. Always will, always have. I did want to ask you about Coco Johnson. You, you, the two of you keep running into each other yeah. one, one way or another. Always. Uh, back in high school, you played on the football team together, didn't you? you, were, were you this is what I read. Correct me if I'm wrong. You were the quarterback. He was the running back on That's the team. That's right. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was cool because, you know, Coco is such a special athlete that uh, not a lot of people know this, but when he came over as part of school of choice, he had to sit out his junior fall. That's one of the rules in Michigan. You can, uh, if his school's lucky enough to be a school of choice, you can apply, but you have to sit out athletically one full semester. So he had to sit out that junior fall for football and played our junior baseball together. We ended up going to state semifinals. We were like number two team in the state. It was a lot of fun. But then that fall, he rejoined us for football. He hadn't played football in like a year and a half. Won a starting job at like three different positions. Was all state. We had a lot of fun. It was a lot, a lot of fun. It was really special with the football in his hands. Well, going back to baseball, uh, in college you were primarily a first baseman. Did you pitch as well in high school? Yes, I did. I actually went into Louisville as a two-way guy. Uh, I, was the I was pretty much the last guy to pitch, you know, in the inner squads and stuff like that because I had the ability because I was tall, I was left-handed. And um, I, had, I actually threw really well in the fall, and I was going to be the first lefty uh, out of the bullpen 
going into the beginning part of the year. We were going against Bowling Green, um, and we were getting ready to go into extras, or we were at the bottom of the ninth or bottom of the tenth or whatever, and I'm, I'm warmed up in the pen. I'm ready to go into the game to make my first appearance as a Cardinal. Uh, it was like the third or fourth game of the season, so I thought that maybe I'd have a good role out of the bullpen as well as you know get some spot pinch hits or some DHing and stuff like that. But uh, our All-American, Ryan Wright, who's a double-A with the Reds right now, down there in Pensacola, he uh, he walked us off with a double, so I, that that kind of got squashed and uh, had had like three appearances throughout the year, nothing special, but I I ended up hitting fairly well and that's where I stuck for the last three years. When you were a senior in high school and you were looking into different colleges, what was that recruiting process like for you? Were you looking for a place specifically that would take you as a two-way player, and were there schools that wanted you? either specifically as a pitcher or as a hitter? You know, the, the recruiting process was actually really painful. Um, most of the guys that I came into the University of Louisville with, uh, my signing class had already known that they were going to be there uh, before their junior seasons of high school. You know, they had gone out, they had done the whole perfect game circuit, they had, they had played in front of the right people, and here I am from a really small town in southwest Michigan, uh, felt like I deserved a chance to go play somewhere. I had uh, I felt like a lot of kids from my area did, but the exposure isn't as great as it should be. And I was fortunate enough to to play well enough in front of the Louisville coaches that they that they had given me a chance. And and honestly, I was that's all I was looking for was an opportunity. Just like uh, when I had come out of Louisville, I was just looking for an opportunity to play professional ball. And you know, Ron Biga in the Windy City Thunderbolts gave me that opportunity. And I'll be forever grateful. Just like I'll be forever grateful that the University of Louisville gave me a chance. I didn't actually sign. Uh, until March of my senior year. So I'd gone through all football season that fall, and the winter I was just an, an ordinary person to live with. My, you can ask any part of uh, anybody in my family. It was just – it was tough. You know, I felt like I deserved a place to go play, and I hadn't figured out where it was going to be. I thought it was a couple more weeks from just calling some more people back and being like, hey, you all need a quarterback somewhere? Like, But, um, very, yeah, very fortunate for the way that uh, things happen. Well, you probably wouldn't have made it as quarterback at uh, at Louisville, I'm guessing. I think, was Teddy Bridgewater there at the time? Yeah, he was. Okay. Yeah, he was. Oh, man, he was special. He was really, really good. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, I and mean, Louisville has been, uh, for a long time now, great, a great uh, school just in terms of all their, their major sports there. Great great athletic programs over at Louisville. And as, as you are obviously aware now, uh, it's become the breeding ground for Windy City Thunderbolts. It is. It has. You know, four, four Louisville graduates, I believe, on the current roster right, right now. And there have been a, a few others over the years that have uh, come, come and gone from here as well. Uh, so you're at Louisville. You spent four years there, and you end up having a very good career there. You're named team captain in 2013. Uh, it hit over 300 your first year, hit 261 overall for your four seasons at Louisville. Do you have any memories from your time there, your four years there, that uh, really stand out to you as being special? Yeah. Uh, individually, uh, the one that really stands out in my mind, just from a personal aspect, I, uh, I had the walk-off hit against Kentucky my freshman year. That was really cool. I didn't start that game, but I was upset that I didn't because they were throwing a righty and I'd been hitting really well, and I was hoping uh, Coach McDonald was going to let me get the DH roll, but he didn't. Uh, actually, no, they started a lefty, and I hadn't been hitting lefties. Uh, they had been doing, using one of our other freshman hitters to face lefties. I was there for righties, but then they brought a sidearm guy in in like the fourth or fifth inning, came in, um, got a base hit, just a, just a ball that rolled through the four hole, uh, so that was pretty cool. And then my next at bat, I'd uh, flown out the left 
And then by the time the ninth had rolled around, we were up one and gave up four in the top of the ninth. And we were down, I think it was three or something, three or four or something like that. And all of a sudden we were tied with the bases loaded one out. Dude left me a ball right down the middle. I just hit a single right back through the middle. That was really, really cool. But as far as a team, my senior year was incredible. You know, I didn't have the greatest year playing first base numbers-wise. But, you know, in the fall, our football team won the Sugar Bowl against Florida. We had won a national championship over Michigan in basketball. Our girls, granted, they ran up against UConn. But they were in the national championship game. They were national runner-up in basketball. And then... You know, we went into Vanderbilt down there in Nashville, and we took in two straight games. It was the first time they had lost a home series that year, and that was really, really special. Dogpiling was um, definitely one of the greatest feelings I've ever had. I have to ask you as well about the basketball team. The year they won the championship, it was against Michigan, and mm -hmm. you, of course, are from Michigan. Was there uh, any clash between you and, uh, and maybe people from back home? Uh, you know what? <laughs> Playing ball down there, it was so hard because I, I felt so bad because, you know, I left a lot of family and friends behind to go down to Louisville. But anybody that played college baseball will tell you, you don't really get a chance to go home. You know, you're there from fall to Thanksgiving. And then when you're at home for Thanksgiving, you don't want to move because you're so tired from all the fall workouts. And then you're back for Christmas. Then you got to leave to go back early. And then you're there from January until the season's over. And then they send you somewhere to play. So the, the only people that I'd really talked to were some close friends uh, back home and my family, but they were rooting for Louisville because of me. And I had grown up a Notre Dame fan, so obviously I wasn't going to root for you Michigan. You were like the worst Michigan resident I've ever heard. <laughs> You're a fan of the Indians and Notre Dame? Yeah, I am. It's, it's strange. I, I think uh, just fell in love with Cleveland, like I said, because of, well, of my dad. And uh, we were a half – I only live a half hour from South Bend. Grew up Roman Catholic. Hard not to – Hard not to be an Irish fan. Well, let me ask you about your time post-Louisville. You mm -hmm. finish up your collegiate career playing baseball. What were you looking for at the end of your senior season? Were you looking to continue playing professionally? Yeah, I was. Uh, doing what? I, I wasn't sure. You know, I, I thought I was a talented enough hitter to, to possibly get picked up. I was drafted out of high school. Things didn't work out my way. But, you know, I was... A little down about that. I was still in Louisville. I, was, I had gotten a job as a, as a hitting instructor uh, at my boss, Chris Burke, uh, baseball. So I was down there. I was just giving lessons. I was hitting. I was doing some things. And all of a sudden, I get a call from uh, Blake Karoski is his name, who turns out is my agent now. And he was like, hey, you still want to play baseball? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. And he goes, all right, I can, I can get you a gig. There's only one thing. And I was like, what's that? And he goes, you got to pitch again. I was like, okay, done. Tell me when I got. Tell me when I have to be ready. And uh, he told me it was January. He was going to set up a couple uh, just bullpens, and I devoted that fall and that winter to to learning how to throw and and getting back in the groove. And I did it in high school, but the only thing I knew about pitching was I, I lifted my right knee and I threw the ball to a glove. There wasn't a whole lot of uh, mechanical things that I understood, so I had to almost become a bookworm and, and study and, and read up on some of the things that pay, that possibly uh, normal pitchers don't understand. And so here we are. I uh, was throwing uh, in the, I want to say it was February or March. No, it was before that. It was, I think it was before the beginning of the year. So maybe November, December. But I was playing catch with our ace, Travis Tingle. 
and he was just like, hey, throw this flat ground real quick. I'll send it to uh, send it to my pitching coach just in case some things don't work out. So they, they got me on film, sends it to Brian Smith, Smitty, our pitching coach here, and says uh, we'll give him a, an opportunity to come to camp and try and earn a job. And the couple bullpens that I threw fell through and came over here last April and uh, threw pretty well, made the team, and uh, now I am a pitcher. Still, I still uh, am a hitter at heart. I still, you know, I don't, I don't miss being terrible. You know, I don't miss the 0 for 3 with three strikeout days. But, you know, uh, I, I do miss hitting. I do miss batting practice. I do miss playing every day. Uh, although pitching has been a lot of fun lately. And I'm around a really good group of guys. Have you ever campaigned any of the coaches here to get an at-bat now and then? <laughs> no, I think, uh, I, think I'm a, I think I'm a pitcher for a reason now. You know, it's, it'd be fun to take some batting practice. I would love to do that, get in, the, get in underneath the turtle and take some swings. But uh, as far as the game, no, I'll let those guys take care of it. I would still think you'd probably be one of the, the first guys they'd call on in an emergency at least. Yeah, I, I would think so too. I would think so. At least I'd like to think so. If, you know, if they gave it to somebody else, I think I might be a little upset. Well, well, we'll go back to uh, to last year, start of the season. You joined the Thunderbolts. Nobody around here is really exactly sure what to expect from a guy who hasn't really pitched full-time since yep. high school. Yeah. You come out one outing, you look great in that one game, and then later that week you're signed by the Diamondbacks. What yeah. uh, What was your reaction when you got that news? I was very shocked, to say the least, you know, because out of camp, uh, Beegs and Smitty had, had pulled me into the room and said, hey, here's your situation. We, we think you are talented, but we want to make sure that you get your feet wet. We want to make sure that we can uh, put you in comfortable situations so that you continue to improve and uh, learn how to pitch again since you haven't done it in so long. And so it was uh, Lake Erie, I believe, here on a kid's day. Um, we were losing like 7 nothing, and I got the call out of the bullpen and came in with two outs in like the sixth or the seventh, finished off that inning, and then I got through a clean inning. Um, I don't even know where my velo was, but I just known that I felt like I threw really well. I used a couple of really good pitches and uh, met with a couple of guys who were uh, scouts from the Diamondbacks after the game and, you know, just kind of introduced myself. It was kind of a me more of a meet and greet than it was actually uh, an opportunity for them to say, hey, we want you to come play for us. So I was like, oh, that's cool. At least I got to talk to somebody. And the next day we had taken the bus uh, six hours up to Traverse City, Michigan. We get out there and, and for people that don't know, uh, the pitchers go out and they get their work in before the hitters so we'll go out, we'll stretch, we'll throw, we'll get our running in, we'll throw our bullpens on the side so that we're not taking up uh, extra time for the hitters for when they have to get ready and then go through their batting practice. So we were out there with our pitchers meetings and right before we got uh, throwing and Smitty had said, uh, hey, I got some good news and some bad news. Uh, some good news is that day is over. We had ended up losing like by like nine runs or something like that. It was a really bad day. Uh, it was like, good news is we get to flush that. You know, that game's over, we got a new one today. Uh, bad news is we're losing one of us. Uh, Arizona Diamondbacks just bought out Wass's contract. And, you know, without me using expletives on the air, it was like, uh, holy cow, I can't believe that actually happened. And part of me was just like, are you sure? Are you sure it was me that they wanted? But I thought, I thought that it was uh, something that I needed, honestly. Uh, as, as weird as that sounds and as selfish as that sounds, but I don't know how well I would have done in this league last year because I'm a full-time starter now and I've seen the talent and who I go up against every five days. It's, 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 really, it's a really good league. And when I had gone out to Arizona, you know, I was still there in extended spring training with some of the guys and then uh, the draft had happened. They had brought in all those draft guys. And then all the short season teams uh, had broken and I was there in rookie ball still. Farm director sits me down and goes, hey, we like you, but we know your story, so we want you to just get innings. 
And basically, we would show up in Arizona. I'd be sweating like crazy, and there would be nobody in the stands. There'd be no music. There'd be no walk-ups. It was like uh, extended, extended scrimmages. But they were games because it was a league. It was a season. And I was able to get my 24, 25 innings in last year. And I think that it was it was really big for me just to no pressure, work on some things, work on some pitches, and uh, and just keep kind of developing. So it was it was really really cool. Uh, looking back on it, the story was just uh, especially telling my friends and family. They were like, "Wait, what? Seriously? One one time? One time you're already gone?" Uh, yeah, it was really really cool. Well, I, I won't get into too much to how things ended in, in Arizona because I'm mean, talking to players. Usually, they're not the the first ones to know why they end up getting released or sent somewhere else. But uh, you actually did put up some really good numbers in your rookie year with the Diamondbacks. Uh, when you got let go, what was your mindset and was your first thought coming back to the Thunderbolts, or were you looking into something else at that point? Uh, you know what, I was uh, hoping that I would at least get a an invite somewhere else to spring training, but. It didn't work out that way, and uh, uh, I was a little bitter. Who wouldn't be? You know, it's 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 tough to take rejection. It's tough to have someone sit there and tell you, you know, we don't uh, we don't think you're good enough. We don't think that you fit our mold. That's not easy to swallow. Um, however, I was I was gracious. I was thankful for the opportunity that the Diamondbacks gave me. Um, but I was ready to work. I was ready to get after it again. You know, it was kind of one of those things I used as motivation for the rest of the winter and. Uh, Coming back into camp this year, I felt that um, I thought that I could help the team more as a starter. You know, my career moving forward, I think that uh, I have the I have been blessed in more ways than one. But I'm tall, I'm left-handed, I'm just a <laughs> my You're parents, just an all-around yeah, great I, I, guy. No, 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 no. But genetically, my parents, I'm a big person. You know, I I can handle. I felt. Like I could handle a lot of innings on my body, and I felt that you know once I had learned how to do that, I could help the team win more pitching every five days than I would one inning here, one inning there. So when I approached uh, Skip Ron Biga about being a starter, he was all over. He goes, "Yeah, absolutely, let's do it." So uh, it, it's been you know I we kind of let bygones be bygones with the with the Diamondbacks, and I've had a, a lot of fun this year too. You know, being a starter and going every five days. How have you adjusted to that, both physically and mentally? It's obviously a much different task being a starter than being a reliever. Do you feel like you've adapted to it well? Yeah, I feel like I have. The first few starts, um, it wasn't necessarily me getting used to it as it was me trying to find a routine. And the one thing, if you're around professional baseball players long enough, you understand that everybody's got a routine. When they show up to the field, when they get their work in, what they do every day to get ready. And honestly, I had just treated it was a uh, – sounds a little corny but like football you know you pitch once a week you play football once a week um but the nice thing is uh, I've had um a lot of people in my corner that have kind of given me some guidance on when I should lift when I should run what days I should throw my bullpen on the side how often and then as the season's kind of gone on I've kind of found a recipe that I've really enjoyed um day to day to get me ready for that for that start day Take us through a typical start day for you. You know you're pitching tonight. What happens from the time you wake up? Do you have it planned out from the time you wake up to the time you go out to the mound? Yeah, usually. Um, I usually wake up. I usually have some some oatmeal or, or whatever I can find laying around my host family's house and just have some breakfast. And then, honestly, it's just it's just kind of relax mode. It's just kind of laying in bed. It's watching some TV. It's um, reading some Game of Thrones. It's uh, it's It's just kind of hanging out and then – 
you know, I don't really get it's even if it's right now to right now it's 130. It's, it's still not on my mind yet because I'm trying to just save it and save it and save it until it's about time to go. And then once three thirty, four o'clock hit, it's like, all right, now I've got to start getting my mind right. And I'll hop in the shower. I'll grab my clothes. Um, and then I'll usually get to the field probably two and a half hours before a start. Hang out in the locker room, talk with the guys, socialize. You know, I'm I'm not one of those guys that, that kind of I, – I do like to get serious, but at the same time I don't want to be so serious that I take away from, uh, from you know, having a good time and, and seeing some of the fellas. So, uh, you know, I, I – I, I'm not, you know, it's funny is I'm not really big on the music. You know, I, I used to be, but um, I don't really listen to a whole lot of music. And then if, it, if it's a 705 start, uh, I'm usually out there somewhere around 625. And I'll start warming up my legs. I'll start getting the blood going. And then usually by about 640 is when I'm playing catch either with uh, uh, Larry Balkwill or Tyler Clark. And I usually stretch it out, usually long toss to about 210 to 240 feet and then bring it back in throw a quick flat ground for, for those of you who don't know it's uh, just kind of throwing on a normal surface before I actually get on the mound with uh, with Larry or Tyler already in their crouch position then we get on the mound start a little shorter and then we get back to regular and then I just like to just kind of feel for what feels good that day and for me usually it's uh, fastball changeup, but as of late, I've been really working on my slider and and really developing that. So uh, it's just kind of what feels good. How should we attack certain teams and and just uh, making sure that I'm feeling good, no aches, no no tightness anywhere. It's just getting me ready to to take them out for the first inning. Well, let's step away from the baseball diamond for a minute. Let's just talk about maybe how you spend some of your time away from the field. Let's say yeah. the team has an off day. What kind of things do you enjoy doing? Uh, I enjoy going to the movies. Um, I enjoy going to get some food with some of the guys. You know, we we found this really cool sushi place over in Orland Park. I don't even remember the name. It's like Yucca Yucca something like that. Asian place. Well, I'm sure we'll be able to find it FaceTime. Yeah, exactly. It's a so we we all go over there. So that's really cool. A uh, lot of relaxing. We uh, we've been really big into Mario Kart this whole season. Uh, whether it being on the N64 or uh, Coco got the the Wii U. And we'll play it on that as well. So usually I spend it with with some of the guys on the team. Um, but over the All-Star break, Dad and I went fishing. That was a lot of fun. It's didn't really get a chance to do it as much in college because I was always constantly, whether, you know, playing or practicing or whatever, I never got a chance to go out and do any of that. So that was fun to do. But uh, usually I like to get some sort of lift in. Um, I, don't, I usually don't like to miss a whole lot of workout days, so. Yeah, it's nothing really special. Who's your guy in Mario Kart? Who do you who do you use when you re really need to win a race? All right, Peach. Really? Yeah, she's a sleeper. Okay. You know what, man? I I liked her so much on the 64 because everyone is always Yoshi or Toad, Yoshi or Toad, and I was like, I'm gonna go with Peach, and I started winning a ton of races. Now Coco and uh, Tannis and Tufts will. Uh, disagree that I won a ton of races, but I know I did with Peach, and uh, that's that's been my girl ever since. I always race with Peach. I think you need an official stat keeper so you can actually show them how many races you're yeah, winning. Yeah, if only we knew where to get one of those. Right. right? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if they, if their Mario Kart stat keepers are around anywhere. <laughs> uh, you said you like to go to to movies. Have you seen any good ones lately? Um, what was the last one I just went and saw? Ted Two. 
Was that, was that good? Oh, it was hilarious. <laughs> Seth MacFarlane, he didn't pull any punches, that's for sure. But it was it was hysterical. It was just like the first one. Um, went and saw Avengers earlier in the year. The second one, that one was really good. Uh, what else? What's, all, what's coming out here soon that I really want to go see? Oh, Vacation. Have you seen the trailer for Vacation? No. It looks it, It's like a remake of the old Chevy Chase ones, okay. the National Lampoon. And uh, Ed Helms, the guy from The Hangover. Is uh, is supposed to be rusty. I don't know if you've seen any of those movies or not. Right. So it, it's a remake. It's not like a continuation with different characters. It is just a straight remake of the it's, original it's with a, Chevy Chase. It's it's kind of like a. Uh, no, it's it's still Vacation, and Chevy Chase is in it. Okay. But so it's, it's like it's like a continuation. It, it's like a of continuation, but with no direct. They're they're trying to go back to Wally World, but okay. it's it's New Age. Uh, Christine Applegate's in it. Looks hysterical. I can't similar, wait to see similar it. Similar story, right, different exactly, characters. Exactly, I got it. Okay. Yeah. And then, um, what else is that? There's another one that I really wanted to see. I can't think of what the trailer is. Right. Oh, Southpaw. Jake Gyllenhaal, that boxing movie. Okay. That one looks really good. I saw a review yesterday. Review was not favorable. I, Rotten Tomatoes? What was it? It was uh, Michael Phillips of the Chicago Tribune oh, reviewed okay. it. Okay. He's usually pretty tough, though. He is, he is tough. I, he's I like him. He's a good, he's a good yeah, critic. Pretty fair. Um, you talked about over the all-star break going fishing with your dad and, yep. and something you didn't really have time to do so much when you were in college. I talked to a lot of guys at this level, a lot of young players who come from college and and don't necessarily struggle but really have to adjust to life outside of college because it's so different where you're really in control of your routine, mm-hmm. you're in control of your body, you're in control of what you do. How have you handled that transition over the last two years? I think that... Uh, the University of Louisville did a really good job of teaching me preparation, honestly. Uh, there was so much structure in college, and I think that's the the one thing that you were hinting at is guys who go from college to pro ball, it's tough because they don't have 7 a.m. weights, class from 8 to 12, practice from 2 to whatever, and then study hall after. You know, that's it's a structured day 300 days out of the year. It's tough like that. Um, or actually, it's it's really easy when your classes are given to you. You know, you've got people always in your corner trying to make it as easy as possible. So that way, when the spring comes around, you can play as good a baseball as possible. But they're also trying to get you in the right frame of mind. Make sure your classes are taken care of. Make sure your body's right in the weight room. Teaching you what to and what not to eat and what to and what not to drink. You know what I mean? So it's uh, there's, there's there was so much structure at Louisville that I think that, you know, Tingle... Coco and Chittenden will also agree with me. It has made it not as tough to adjust to in pro ball because we have done it for so long that that's really the only thing we know. I think the hardest part was um, finding my own routine. That's more necessarily than it was adjusting to some of the other different things. Um, but yeah, it's uh, but it's still been fun though, man. I, I love. I love Pro Bowl. I love the city of Chicago. And yeah. Well, Zach, we're, ha- we're happy to have you here. And <laughs> I, I can't thank you enough for spending some time, taking your time out of your day to, to, to speak with me today. Uh, I wish you the best of luck the rest of the way, of course, both individually and as a team. And thanks again for joining me. Terry, thanks for having me.